I want to invite your attention to the book of Luke, Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter. The 15th chapter of the book, the gospel of Luke. Very familiar passage of scripture, very familiar and perhaps one of the most beloved parables that Jesus left on record for us in the word of Almighty God. Luke chapter 15 I want to read in your hearing verses 11 through 20. While you're turning there, we certainly want to acknowledge and appreciate my big little brother, assistant pastor, Charles Blake, Jr. Love you, sir. Appreciate him. Love him so very much. And of course, to amen, Pastor Lawrence in his absence on today. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse number 11. And it reads, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. But no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And we'll stop the reading there at verse number 24. I want to focus our attention particularly on verse number 20. Verse number 20, where it says, And he arose 
and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. My subject for this morning on this year's Men's Day is a father's love. A father's love. I want to start by saying the greatest tragedy of our Western American society is that our family life, that is family as we have traditionally understood and known it, has almost fizzled out. The greatest danger to America is not the threat of terror or nuclear war that would be brought to this country that we love so much. It is not the threat of destruction that would be brought upon us from outside of our nation, but rather that which is occurring within our own backyards. America is eroding from within, and it is the family that is at the center of the erosion. And my brothers, I, I want to address us this morning not to unfairly criticize us because God knows we get enough of that. Uh, but rather to challenge us in this particular area because I believe that you and I have been given the power and the authority to turn this thing around. The fact of the matter is that ever since Adam and Eve in the garden, man has been given the responsibility to lead. And no matter how much you don't feel like a leader, the fact is that you are because God has declared you to be. God has said that you are. But herein lies the problem. When we fail to take our place as leaders in our homes, on our jobs, in our community, in our church, here's what happens. Confusion and chaos begins to run rampant in the land. When we surrender our authority, abdicate our responsibility to lead, everything under our authority is adversely affected. I want to submit to us that much of the misery, much of the madness in our land can be traced back to a, a, a lack of strong male leadership. And uh, if you don't agree with me, that's all right. I, I understand that we're living in postmodern times and people have come up with all other kinds of, of theories and uh, that's fine, but uh, I, I'm a little bit old school when it comes to this. Come on, somebody. If you do the research for yourself, you'll find out that hundreds of studies have been done in this particular area by people far more smarter than me. And most conclude that much of the ills of society can be traced back to an, to an absence of strong, loving male leadership in the home. In many cases, gang violence deviant criminal behavior, sexual 
immorality, addictions, and other forms of irresponsible behavior can all be traced back to a lack of male leadership in the home. One of the most alarming statistics is the fact that an overwhelming majority of families are headed by single females and in some communities the figure is as high as 80 and 85 percent. Beyond divorce, women often find themselves part uh, of, of this demographic uh, for uh, several reasons. Uh, and we're not going to take the time to get into all of that. Now, if in some cases 80% of families are headed by women, then that puts the men who are married with children in a very select group. They are part of the 20% who are trying to admirably live out the experience of, of family life. But there is a word of caution that needs to be delivered to that select group. 20% and that is even though we are physically present we are often emotionally absent think about that for a moment now the cause of this emotional absenteeism is in large part due to the fact that most men have not been trained and or nurtured to know how to handle their feelings in the context of relationships let me say that one more time I said most men have not been trained neither nurtured to know how to handle their feelings in the context of relationships now please don't misunderstand me I, I did not say that men don't feel we do feel and we feel very deeply but what I said was that many of us don't know how to handle our feelings in the context of relationships oh we know how to be angry we know how to laugh and at times laugh even when there ain't nothing funny come on somebody most of us have learned how to laugh in order to keep from crying. But too many women are still reporting that their men don't know how to open up, don't know how to express their true feelings. Too many men still don't know how to pursue intimacy in their relationships. Sadly, many men have, uh, still haven't grown up emotionally. We've matured physically. Uh, physically, we have become men. But emotionally, many of us are still boys at play. I'm just giving you my own personal testimony. Come on, somebody. Sadly, many men still haven't, haven't matured in this particular arena, in this particular aspect of, of, of their manhood. Right? Many of us know how to work hard on our jobs. Many of us know how to hustle, but we are still at play when it comes to our important relationships. The problem is that too many of us were not raised to know how to handle our emotions and how to connect with our feelings. Our own fathers 
were either not present in our lives or themselves just didn't know how to adequately deal with this particular area of life and consequently we were not able to teach the skills necessary to emotionally connect with those that we love about, that, that we love and that we care about the most. Many of our fathers, as with many men today, taught us that as a man, the only emotion that it was okay to feel or express was anger or aggression on the sports field or when dealing with someone that was being disrespectful to you or to your family, a family member. We were encouraged, we were celebrated when we asserted our rights through the expression of anger through the expression of rage. And, and, and that's okay to a certain extent because every man needs to have a little bit of fight in him if he's going to survive. Come on, somebody. The problem is that many fathers minimize the more tender and the more loving emotions. Many are afraid that nurturing those type of emotions will make their sons effeminate and, and less than a man. Many of us as men were taught that when it comes to relationships, we, could, we should keep those more tender feelings to ourselves or even to ignore such feelings altogether. So even if you were hurting, hurting physically, hurting Emotionally, the last thing that you wanted to do was to tell somebody. Because after all, men don't cry. Right? And crying is a sign of, you got it. It's a sign of weakness. So what do we do? We bottle it up. We hold it in. But for men... This bottling up translates into pain and hurt in marital relationships and relationships with our sons, relationships with our daughters because we were not taught how to handle our loving emotions. For most, it becomes too difficult to express their feelings within the context of emotional intimacy because most of us don't feel comfortable being that close to someone else. Those gentle feelings were never truly developed so that when those feelings start to well up inside of us, we don't know what to do with them and often we don't even know what they are. This creates a, a state of perpetual stress, a state of perpetual anxiety that all too often manifests itself in a lack of expression toward the people and the things that a man loves the most. And I'm not ashamed to tell you, my brothers, that that's exactly part of my journey, my personal journey. As a man, I remember years ago as a much younger man that my wife would always tell me, you know what, I can't, I, I, I just can't seem to feel your heart. I don't, I don't know what's in your 
heart. You, you don't talk to me and you don't share with me honestly about what's going on in your heart. And because, because you are unwilling to do that, it causes me to feel insecure. And for years throughout the course of our relationship, I would hear her say it, but, but, but I couldn't understand what she and I was getting defensive, man. I would say, yeah, I love you. You know I love you. Don't I tell you I love you? And, and, and she would say, yeah, you tell me that you love me, but I can't feel the connection. There is something that is blocking. There is something that is severing our ability to connect intimately with one another. And I love my, my wife, man. I tell you, my wife is, is the sweetest, precious individual that I know. But I'm telling you, she can be brutally honest. <laughs> Other people, man, can say stuff and it don't bother me, man. But when she said, it, oh. Cut a brother down. And so we started having kids. Youngest son is here today. He'll be 30 years old in a couple of weeks. But the thing that I noticed, Bishop, is that when I got married and started having kids, the same issue kind of followed me right into parenting. And, 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 and I noticed that I was uncomfortable with even telling my kids, I love you. Are y'all hearing me today? I, I would say it. I would get the words out. But, but, but there was this uneasiness on the inside of me. And it was very, it was very uncomfortable for me to even utter the words. As they began to grow up uh, into young men, they, I began to experience and, and witness anger building up on the inside of them in a similar way that I experienced when I was growing up. And so when I saw it, I immediately recognized it and I understood what that was and where that was coming from because I too had the same kind of, uh, of feelings and experiences. They, 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 they were getting angry at me. They could not understand it. They had no words to articulate what was happening to them or why it was happening to them, but, but they were very angry on the inside because they had a daddy that did not know how to connect with them. Are y'all still with me? And that one sitting right over there, man, went through some stuff. Broke my heart. Just to even think about some of the things that he went through. It caused him to pull away from me. 
And it's only as he got older that we were able to discuss these kinds of things and begin the process of working on these kinds of things. And as I started to grow and mature, I got better at, at being the kind of father and the kind of dad that he needed me to be so that I could set him free so that he would no longer have to struggle with the stuff that I had to struggle with. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, brothers, this has to change. This has to change. We've got to let God perform a work of healing in our lives. There is too much at stake. There is too much riding on our ability to love ourselves and successfully love those who are closest to us. Our marriages are at stake. The emotional well-being of our children are at stake. Our grandchildren and generations to come are at stake. We must allow God to bring healing and wholeness in our life. So that we can love and be loved the way that God has so ordained in our life. And I believe our text, I know you thought, was he going to get to the text? I believe our text points us in the direction of healing for the masculine soul. This particular passage which shows the father greeting the returning son who had left home after breaking all ties with his father, it demonstrates a valuable and important lesson for all men. And that is, that it's all right for fathers to show love for their sons. It's all right for men to open up and share their emotions with their wives and, and, and their affection with their families. It's all right to, for men to share their thoughts, their feelings, and emotions with one another. Listen, it is not only all right to do so, it is of great necessity. Come on, it is critical that we do so. In this particular parable, before the emotional reunion takes place, the son had ruined any relationship that he had with his father. He had taken one-third of what his father had accumulated, had run off, and then squandered all of it. The son had been a prince and, and then found himself living like a pig. Hallelujah. Then the Bible says that he came to himself and said, you know, I have messed up and I have messed up badly, but I'm going back to the one person who has always been there for me, the one person who has always taken care of me, who has always shown me love. I'm going back to the Father. And this is where we pick up the story. The father is now an aged man. But when he saw his son, he girded up his robe. Come on. The inference there is that he had been there perhaps watching and waiting and just believing and anticipating that one day the son was going to return. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm getting excited about that. 
Glory to God. When he saw his son, he gathered up his robe, he gathered up his strength, and he ran right out to meet his son, who the Bible says was still a great distance off. The son couldn't even get to the house first before the father ran out. The Bible says that the father caught the son, hugged him, and kissed him on his neck. Another translation of this particular verse says that the father kept on kissing him. Come on, somebody. And kissing him. And kissing him. He kissed his son fervently. Now, the kiss in this parable is a symbol of the expression of intense emotion, intense joy, right? Now, we, we don't actually expect men to start greeting each other with a kiss on the necks. Amen, somebody. I know the brother said, thanks for clearing that up. Kissing on the neck is not really an accepted greeting in our culture, you know, such as it is in some European and Mediterranean uh, cultures. But the symbolism is what I want you to see this morning. The symbolism carries a crucial lesson for men in our culture today. When the father put his arms around his son and kissed him, that was a symbolic embrace that said, son, I love you. Son, I've missed you. Son, I am glad you are here with me right now. Son, I am not angry with you. I love you so much. The display of affection reaffirmed the value that the father placed on his son. And listen, I would argue this morning that every man in this building, they may not verbalize it and tell you, but every man in this building today needs that experience. Every man. We need the fathers and the significant males in our life to, in effect, draw us close and hug us and say, son, brother, nephew, whomever, I love you. You're special. You're okay. You're loved by God and you're loved by me. You, you, you've got what it takes. Come on, somebody. I, I, we, we need to hear another man say, I believe in you. Hallelujah. You are, amen, a man of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You are all that. Whatever you, whatever you want to say and however it needs to be said, every man. Needs another man in his life that will look him right in the face. Come on, somebody. And tell him, man, I love you, man. You all right. Hallelujah. Listen, men of God, your sons, your grandsons, the men in your life need more than a grunt. 
They need more than a handshake. They need, they need more than a fist bump. They need more than a dap. Come on. They, they, they need more than a high five. They, 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 they need... Before a man can be a beloved father, before a man can be a beloved husband, he must first be a beloved son. Forgive me, I'm trying to take my time with this because this is critical. It's hard for a man to allow himself to be in an attachment with anyone if he has never been given a sense of attachment from the important men in his life. Mm -hmm. We have so many men that are caught up in pornography. So many men that run from relationship to relationship. Illicit involvements with, with women over and over and over. I'm not a mental health professional, but somewhere deep down on the inside, I believe it has something to do, amen, with the fact that, that sometimes we as brothers, because maybe we didn't get the kind of affirmation that we needed from the men that were in our life, it causes us to seek that out in females. Right? Because after all, she knows how to stroke you real good and make you feel like what? Like the man. Are y'all hearing me today? Hallelujah. Oh, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Listen, listen. Mama's love is good. The love of, a love of another woman is good, but it ain't enough. You and I as men need the love of a significant man in our life because only a man can shape us. Only a man can give me my identity. Only another man can tell me who I am and what I'm supposed to be. Only a man can show me how to be a man. And again, I realize, I realize, I realize that you know, some may think that this is very misogynistic, very chauvinistic. I get you. I hear you. And you have every right to that opinion. And certainly we're not suggesting in any kind of way or trying to downplay or dismiss the valuable contrib contribution of moms or those moms that had to raise their, their sons by themselves. God knows. Amen. We, 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 we've got to support our single moms and let them know, amen, how much we value them and appreciate the work that they're doing in the home. Are you, are you hearing me today? I, 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 but I'm talking about something cold, completely different here, right? Only a man can provide that kind of affirmation and encouragement to a man. It's no wonder that after Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan, that the Bible says the heavens were open. And God the Father spoke out of heaven saying, This is my son. 
in whom I am well pleased. Listen, the cry of every son is to have his father's approval and to know that his father thinks that he has what it takes to be a man. Only a man can pass down that kind of feeling, that kind of confidence to another man. And men need that same kind of love from their fathers. Brothers need it from their brothers. We need it one from another. Let me close this out. There are at least two reasons why men need a father's love. And they're found right here in the text. Number one, number one, we need a father's love so that we can have a model of forgiveness. We need a father's love so that we can have a model of forgiveness. Most men carry pent-up frustration and anger that's rooted in their inability to forgive. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know how to express forgiveness because they never had a significant male in their life who modeled what it is like to forgive. And so consequently, they just hold on to that stuff and just stuff it down and, and bottle it up and, and, and eventually it, it comes out. And you want to know who it comes out on? The people that's closest to The ones that they love the most. The ones that mean the most to them, that it spills out and spills over into those particular relationships. The prodigal son's father could have had any number of other responses when he saw his son coming, right? He, he didn't have to go running to embrace his son in the way that he did. He could have ignored his son. He could have, he could have just said, oh, here we come again. What does he want now? He could have taken part in one of those petty games that we sometimes like to play and said to himself, well, here he comes, look at him. He spent all my money and now he's coming back with his hand out. But the son had a father who knew how to release forgiveness. Oh, aren't you glad about it, right? He didn't care that the son had turned his back on him. He, he didn't care if his son had blown the money that he had given. He did not care that the son had brought shame and reproach to the family's name, embarrassment to the family's name. The father wrapped his arms around his son and said, Son, I forgive you, son. Somebody here, amen, on this morning needs to hear somebody tell them, I love you. I don't care what you did years ago. That doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I just want you to know I forgive you, I release you, and I love you. Somebody else needs to find their son. And I ain't just talking about your teenage son. But some of us in here got some grown sons that have been estranged from us. 
come on, relationships that have been severed because of unresolved issues and unresolved conflicts, stuff that went on years ago. And some of us need to run to our sons just like the, the father did. We need to find, I don't care if they're on the other side of the country somewhere, we need to run, we need to get on a plane, and we need to go find our son and wrap our arms around him and tell him, man, I don't care what happened years ago. I just want you to know I love you. I forgive you. You are still my son, and I will love you until the day that I die. You talk about a miracle. You talk about revival breaking out and breaking loose in your family and in your home. I'm telling you, God is just waiting on some father to humble himself and go get your son. Hallelujah. Go get that boy. Go grab him, amen, and wrap your arms around him and fall on him and tell him, man, I love you with all of my heart. You mean the world to me. You know, forgiveness is important to any relationship because forgiveness is that which sets us free. It sets both the offender and the offendee free. I wasn't the best father, and I'm still working on it. But I've told all my boys, look, man, for the rest of my life, however long I'm here, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure I'm going to do my part so that you can be free. That's my role now. I want to make sure that my seed is all right. Y'all not saying nothing here today. We need a father's love. We need a father's love. I'm, 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 I'm closing. We need a father's love so that we can have a model of forgiveness. Number two, and finally, we need a father's love in order to know what it's like to make long-term commitments. Too many men go into marriage promising to try to stay married and unfortunately too many women have come to be satisfied with that but that's only because because these same men don't know how to be in a long-term committed relationship I've been married now uh, to my wonderful wife for 34 years and I told her I ain't going nowhere you, you stuck with me <laughs> Right? Right? But too many men don't, don't, don't know how to be in long-term committed relationships. Why? Because they haven't seen that modeled. Listen, love is a decision. I decide, I choose to love my wife and to love my kids 
That is a decision that I make each and every day. Love is designed to last a lifetime, but you got to choose love. prodigal father, the prodigal's father was committed to his son. The Bible doesn't say this, Elder Owens, but, but, but I believe I can see him in, in my mind's eye just sitting there on whatever it is out in front just every day watching. Wondering, is today going to be the day? I don't know, maybe he was praying and just asking, God, is, is today going to be the day that you send my boy home? Because I long to see him. I love him with all of my heart. And if I've got to wait just another day longer, I'm willing to sit here and wait until I see him coming. When will he come? When will I see him again? But I'm sitting here and I'm waiting. I'm waiting on him to step forth and step to the front. And when I see him, I'm not going to wait until he gets to me. But even in my aged years, I'm going to gird up my loins and I'll start to run in his direction. I can see the father with his eyes on his son because he is fully committed and sold out to that relationship. I can see him running with all of his mind and falling on his son and just holding his son. Somebody here needs to find their father, needs to find their son, needs to find another brother that is going through a rough time. Somebody here needs to encourage them and love them until they get healed. Love them until their heart begins to open up again. Love them until all of the anger, all of the bitterness, all of the pain begins to melt away. Come on, shout yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Come on, give God praise in here today. Pastor Mike, man, this is, a, this is a hard one. I've been living with this all my life. I don't know, maybe you didn't get everything that you needed from your dad. Maybe that wound and that hole is still in your heart and it's left you broken, man. It's left you wounded. And just like me, you, you find it difficult to open up connect and experience the kind of intimacy that you know is, is important for you to have with your wife, with, with your kids. And listen, those of you that got daughters, I, I know it's easy to do it with your daughters, isn't it? 
but it's just something about two men. Let me tell you something, and I'll, I'm going to take my seat. You want to know the thing that helped me and still does help me? It's worship. I, 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 it's, it's, it's amazing how this issue that we're talking about, how we see this issue even playing out in our worship, brothers. It's amazing to me how the worship can be going forth and the Spirit of God and the presence of the Lord is just in our midst. The praise is high and we'll still have some brothers just like lost. They lost in the sauce, man. They don't know what to do with that. They don't know how to handle it, right? They don't know what to do in, in that atmosphere. It's foreign to them, right? You have to understand that Worship is a gift that God gives to each one of us. God doesn't need our worship. I need to worship him. Because when I worship him, transformation takes place in my heart. God spoke to me many, many years ago. And he said, man, if you'll learn how to worship But worship is, is, is the pouring out of heartfelt affection, heartfelt gratitude for the Father, for who he is, and for the great things he has done. And God spoke to me, if you learn how to love me in worship, I'll teach you how to love your wife. I'll teach you. I'll show you how to love those sons of yours. I'll show you how to connect with them. That's why when I come to church, man, I'm not coming to look at nobody. When I come to church, I come for the express purpose to connect with God. I come to connect with the Father. I lift my hands. I open my mouth even though by nature I am introverted. Come on, somebody. By nature, I'm not overly, you know, demonstrative. I'm a very quiet kind of a person that keeps to himself. But when it comes to worship, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For God inhabits the praises. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes in, He has a way of touching the heart. Are y'all hearing me today? You want to know how, how I'm overcoming 
And I say I'm still overcoming because I ain't there yet. I'm still, I'm still working on it, right? But that's, that's how I'm overcoming, man. I get to the house of the Lord and just every day throughout the week, I will open up my mouth. Listen, brothers, I'm here to tell you that when you learn how to worship, worship will make you an excellent lover. Y'all not saying nothing. <laughs> My wife love it when I worship. Y'all not saying nothing. She be like, praise him, honey, praise him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> oh my God. When you worship him, he will transform your life. Have I got a witness in here? Oh, bless the Lord. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. Everyone stand on your feet. Everyone stand on your feet. Everyone stand on your feet. Glory, glory, glory. Bow your heads, close your eyes. All over this building today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just let the Spirit of God minister to your heart. Thank you, Lord.